Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, that was a spanking. Kansas City 44, 49ers 23. And big picture takeaway is that Kansas City is an elite team, tier one Super Bowl contender. And at least as of right now, as we enter week eight, the 49ers are not. The 49ers are not in that tier one status. Now, there's still a long way to go, so... Uh, and they have talent. We know that. So uh, not all is dead, but they have a lot of work to do, just like they had a lot of work to do last year. But the thing, guys, is that they didn't suffer a loss, in my opinion, this embarrassing in the three and five start that they had in 2021. They might not have faced a team as good as this Chiefs team in 2021, but still, uh, the 49ers got whipped on both lines of scrimmage and you know I thought a lot of it was schematic yesterday I thought that Andy Reid showed up and just took Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryans to school and this is going to have to be a big self-scouting thing for the 49ers and we'll delve into all the different ways in, in which they failed but but to me Matt it all boiled down to them uh, being burned for their aggressiveness on the defensive side and not being able to burn Kansas City for their ag- aggressiveness on the off- offensive side. Yeah, I totally agree with you. After rewatching it, it was just uh, uh, a, a schematic loss for uh, D'Amico Ryans, for the, the Chris Kosarek, a really aggressive defense. The, the Chiefs just used that against the 49ers um, right from the get-go. That first... Touchdown that they scored, the Nicole Hardman, uh, you know, quick pass. Um, he's already beyond all of the defensive linemen. And the Chiefs' uh, offensive linemen are uh, two or three yards downfield. Each of them is putting a hat on a would-be tackler. Uh, and it was like that for, for most of the TDs and for most of those big third-down plays, which just gashed the 49ers. Um, the, the Chiefs did a great job. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs... Uh, uh, we're coming off a loss to the Bills. They were obviously focused. It was a great game plan. It was great execution. I mean, uh, David, you've talked about that uh, rebuilt Chiefs offense, offensive line. That's money well spent because those guys were finding tacklers down the field, putting a hat on them. Um, you know, it, 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 in real time, I thought that the 49ers uh, defenders, Hufanga, Fred Warner, were struggling uh, after rewatching it, I, I don't see what they could have done. I mean, you've got a 310-pound guy on you. You're going to get blocked. And uh, they did a good job of that. So uh, maybe that's a, a, a good question for, for Dennis. Uh, what happens when you're a good defensive line, a great defensive line, but uh, teams are you know screen passing and they're sort of using your aggression against you? I hate to say, you know, it, it's coaching – because I, I truly believe that players make plays and coaches are on the sidelines and, and they just kind of 
you know, direct you or try to put you in the right plays. But it really looked like they got out coached. Um, and you're, you're talking about using some of the, the 49ers strengths against them. A lot of those runs are just defensive ends out to those outside rushers and those wide nines just running straight up the field, not even being blocked. Uh, and then a running back running in that running lane. So, you know, it was it was it, it looked so easy for the Chiefs what they did to the 49ers offense and defense. And I, I, I don't watch the game again. You know, I, I don't see how you could watch this game again. But I mean, it's it, it felt like, you know, especially on offense, it was it was anything uh, the Chiefs wanted to do. Right. It was run. It was pass. And it wasn't, you know, little little quick pops. I think they're averaging close to 10 yards uh, every time a running back or quarterback touched the football, every snap. So running pass, you did what you wanted to do. Um, and the defense just looked like, looked like there's a bunch of busted coverages. And we're talking gash plays. And I'm sure, I don't know what the, what the, the ball possession time was, but, you know, the Chiefs, after, you know, after that, what was it, 10 to nothing lead, after that, you know, the second quarter happened, third quarter, and fourth quarter happened, and it was just down the field. It was big gash plays. And as far as the the 49ers offense, I mean, they were, you know, Tristan McCaffrey, I mean, he you can see his skill set. But, you know, other than that, I mean, I don't know what's going on with this 49ers offense. They just can't get in any type of rhythm. And then, you know, you have a chance to stay in a football game, and then Jimmy Garoppolo throws one of his classic scratch your head interceptions in the end zone. So, you know, it, it just it looked like a team was just out coached Sunday. I mean, on and I mean even special teams. I think the Chiefs could have played another three quarters. Everything they did just worked perfectly. And, and it was too bad that it was alumni weekend and it was in your home stadium. But it was it was a tough game to watch. I mean after the, that second quarter it was tough to watch because they were just so off. Dennis, you couldn't even rewatch it once. I've already rewatched it <laughs> twice. Imagine how I feel. Oh my goodness. This morning. And I mean, it's just as bad as the the numbers look. So the the numbers tell us that this was the worst defensive performance of the Kyle Shanahan era. I need to dig back to see when the Fort Anders had a worse one than this statistically, because it's gonna be hard to find. To give you the numerical perspective here, before garbage time, they were allowing ten point two yards per play. That means that every single time that the Chiefs lined up before garbage time, they were getting a first down on average. <laughs> um, the the worst uh, figure for the 49ers prior to this game under Shanahan had been 7.4 yards per play allowed. When you added in the kneel downs at the end of the game, uh, the Chiefs went down to 9.1 yards per play. It's hard to sustain that when you're just kneeling down at the end. But still, 9.1 was over a yard and a half worse than the 49ers' previous worst performance that was at Green Bay in 2018. So this performance was, I want to say exponentially worse, but I can't really say that. It was significantly worse than even the performances that defenses pre-Nick Bosa had given, right? A lot less talent in 2017 and 2018. The Brian Allen game against the Dolphins in 2020, remember the practice squad cornerback? They just kept on getting burned on deep passes. In that one, the 49ers gave up 6.9 per play. So this was 10.2 before garbage time and 9.1 including garbage time. That is how bad this was. This was complete scorched earth. And it started with what Dennis was saying. It was 
Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy completely outclassing D'Amico Ryans. They ran at Nick Bosa. I mean, Nicole Hardman on those on those jet sweeps. Nick Bosa got so lost in trying to rush the passer that he looked up and he didn't realize that Hardman was in the end zone. I mean, this is basic stuff, and it got even more basic in the second half. Third and long, the play that everybody should be looking for is a screen. You should especially be looking for it when Jarek McKinnon is trying to chip you because when Jarek McKinnon is trying to chip block you and you're Nick Bosa, it's probably just a fake, right? Jarek McKinnon is not going to successfully ever chip Nick Bosa. Uh, it, it was a fake. Jarek McKinnon sprung off the chip, caught the screen pass. Bosa was again sucked into the backfield, so the 49ers defensively weren't ready for the screen, and McKinnon delivered one of the big gut-punching plays. So it was the Jarek McKinnon revenge play, kind of like Dante Pettis uh, exacted a revenge play in week one against the 49ers. I mean, just high school-level failures by the 49ers on, on defense between not being ready for the runs and not being ready for that screen pass. And they fell for the eye candy that BNME and Andy Reid put out there. They weren't prepared, and they might have still been a little bit hurt on the back end, too, between Jimmy Ward and Charvarius Ward. All of that, Matt, combined into the perfect storm of the worst defensive performance in the Shanahan tenure. Yeah, I wonder whether it became that way because they were actually still in the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, I remember some bad games back in 2017. I think there was a, a 40 to 10 loss to the Cowboys that year, 33 to 10 loss to the Eagles. That was that that body bag game in Philadelphia. My point being that they were out of the game by the early in the third quarter, and so the opponent kind of uh, took their their foot off the gas pedal. The Chiefs had to kind of keep uh, pushing the gas because the 49ers actually made a fight for it when Nick Bosa had that sack. To begin the fourth quarter, I think there were about 14 minutes left. And then on the next play, it was Bosa again, who, who had a nice tackle on a running play. They were only down by five points. And uh, the momentum seemed to be shifting. And that's, uh, of course, when Mahomes hit that that deep ball to Valdez Scantling. Charvarius Ward seemed to be looking into the backfield. Uh, it was flat-footed. And uh, boy, flat-footed was uh, a good way to describe that defense, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, and, and I have to wonder whether, and uh, I, I should say right off the bat, that Shanahan summarily dismissed this as an issue, that, that that's, this was their first game back from that uh, two-game uh, East Coast day over. But the 49ers have been flat in those games, just bad. Uh, last year, it was the Green Bay game. The year before that, it was the Eagles game with Carson Wentz. Year before that, it was the uh, the Falcons had that surprise win late in the season. Um, going to the East Coast, staying over there, I think it's obvious has an effect on this team. Uh, they're just not right the next week. Now, they, they quickly get back to being right, uh, and uh, I think we can expect that in Los Angeles, but uh, just just off, and, and it especially showed up on on defense, um, and um, and I agree that the there there were some injuries to a person, everybody who was uh, uh, coming off of injuries, who was on the injury list that week. Dennis seemed to have bad games. Mike McGlinchey had a bad game. Travarius Ward had a bad game. Um, uh, Trent Williams didn't have a very good game. Certainly not a, a Trent Williams type of game. Uh, the list goes on and on in that regard. Uh, just uh, just a bad week, and uh, hopefully they can just kind of slough it off as an aberration. I get a little frustrated when I 
every year it's this East Coast stay over Greenboro and all this and time clocks. I, I, I get really frustrated with that because it's football. It's not rocket science. You know, it's X's and O's. You go out, you play football, you're physical, you execute, you don't make mistakes. And, you know, I, I just get tired of all the, you know, the East Coast, West Coast body clocks and all that. It's, it's football. It's it's not it's it's easy stuff. I mean, you're at you you're at this level because you this is what you do. It's your profession. It's your livelihood. So you know you, you line up and you play and you and you play a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, every year they compete. Every year, you know they're 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 fighting for a championship and and they do it week in and they do it week out. So. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand you. You play a team like the Chiefs, and you make so many mistakes. You just, you're just. I mean, this is a game. If there's any football game, I mean, maybe, you know, you know, maybe against the Rams, you can make make some mistakes. You saw the mistakes against Atlanta. What happens there in Chicago? But this is a team. If you make any mistakes, you can forget about it. And you talk about being flat-footed. You know, Charvarius knows. He knows. He knows Mahomes. He he knows. He knows what he's looking. He's looking for that 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 type of play, you know, eyes in the backfield. So, I mean, there's no really no excuse. You you just didn't show up. You didn't play football. I mean, injury or whatever. If you're on the football field, you got to execute. And this is a team. And I think the 49ers figured out. This is a team you can't. The Chiefs, you you can't make mistakes. You just cannot make mistakes. And that should have been the game plan. You got to play a perfect football game if you want to compete against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. And they, that first quarter looked great. I mean, they were they were in rhythm. I don't know if it's that those scripted plays or the defense, whatever happens, you change your game plan. But it, it, it went the second second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, it was just it was just tough to watch. And you know, these guys are professionals. I mean, you get a paycheck today to play in that game. And it's just this is two weeks in a row, guys, that this team has been spanked. And the defense used to be, you know, they, they were the cornerstone. They were the tone the, the the tone setters of a football game. And you haven't seen this this defense. Nick Bosa wasn't there last week. You're missing all these different guys and, and the inside Eric Armstead and and uh, you know it's but still, I mean this defense has got smacked two weeks in a row. And it was just tough to watch. It's it's time to really start paying respect to Eric Armstead and what a what an impact he makes because without him, it, it is truly a different 49ers defense that they they're not getting good enough play from the defensive tackle position point blank. It's two straight weeks now. Atlanta schooled them last week with the interior run, and I mean you saw the Chiefs scheme around it. I mean they made personnel changes to take advantage of that. They moved Isaiah Pacheco to the starting running back position instead of Clyde Edwards-Helaire because Pacheco he's the 216 pounder they they like his interior running and they figured they'd try to soften up that interior the same way that Atlanta did last week and you know with no Kinlaw no Armstead it worked it was around this time last year that the 49ers were struggling a bit with uh, interior run defense and they moved Eric Armstead to the inside and they didn't struggle on interior run defense after they did that they were actually number one in the NFL in run defense after they did that and that unlocked so much else for this defense well the issue now is that nobody's really sure when Eric Armstead's going to return he's got a foot injury uh, you know, people's gut feelings tell them that the 49ers are shooting for after the bye week on that regard. Obviously, they have one more game until the bye week, but it's not clear, right? And I think that the, uh, you know, one 
big thing out of a larger picture view to take from this is that Eric Armstead has been the one variable that's been most closely associated with the success or the failure of the 49ers run defense, which is so tied to their pass rushing success. But I mean, you have to operate moving forward as if you don't have him. You're going to have to find ways to overcome the loss if you're D'Amico Ryans, at least for the time being, at least in the short term here against the Rams. And one way to do that is to make sure that you play a little bit more disciplined, right? Uh, Again, they they were, Matt, yesterday I feel that the 49ers were pinning their ears back into pass rush mode as if they were stopping the run, right? Once you've earned the right to rush, that's when you can pin your ears back and do that. But they were pass rushing as if they had earned the right to rush, even though they definitely hadn't earned the right to rush yesterday because the Chiefs were able to run with Pacheco and Edwards Alaire and also with McCall Hardman. And that totally burned the 49ers to the, ed- to the edge. So uh, I think that the quicker fix for the time being, if they're not going to bring somebody new in to that defensive tackle position to spell Eric Armstead, you know, or his absence for right now, I think that the quicker fix for the 49ers is just to, to they're, they're going to have to give up something running wise, right? They're not going to be dominant, but they have to at least be disciplined to stop these explosive plays on the ground from uh, just eating them alive. Yeah, it's like they were chasing ghosts a lot of the times that uh, Edwards Hilaire uh, touchdown run, I think, came in the third quarter. Um, it, just a huge avenue to the end zone. Why? Because Nick Bosa, for some reason, had, uh, you know, pass rushed up the field. Uh, there was nobody to hold the edge there. Uh, so uh, nobody touched Edward Salar until I think uh, Hufanga had a shot at him at the end, but kind of glanced off. Um, same thing happened in the in the first quarter. It was a third and one situation. Uh, Charvarius Ward had the edge. Uh, dove inside as if it was going to be like a, a, a tailback plunge. And instead it was uh, Kelsey who took a quick pass down the sideline and uh, I forget what the what the gain was, but it, it set up that first score. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was bad edge play. It was bad discipline. Um, the Bienemy and, and Reed had the 49ers chasing their tails, and uh, they got to fix that. Um, um, I, I do think you know the fact that they haven't put Eric Armstead on injured reserve this year tells me that they think he's going to be back uh, in, in a short amount of time. And uh, obviously, they've got the bye week. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's probably the logical uh, rationale there. And that could be the time where a lot of guys come back. Uh, Elijah Mitchell might be back from his um, his knee injury at that point. I think the, the Mitchell... Um, Christian McCaffrey duo is something that the 49ers are, are really kind of eager to see. I think both guys will, will, um, save the other from injuries. Uh, I don't, I don't think the 49ers want McCaffrey playing 86% of the snaps like he did with Carolina. And, uh, obviously Mitchell gets hurt quite a bit, but if each guy has a little bit lesser load, that could be more in the aggregate. So those two guys, and then the the third guy who might be back, and boy, the 49ers certainly could use, is Jason Verrett. And um, it seems like he practices a little bit more each week and uh, gets rid of that soreness that was uh, plaguing him in the the first week he was back. But that could be a nice lift, Dennis, coming out of that bye week. Yeah, and this offense needs a lift because unfortunately – 
Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is, ha- hasn't found his groove yet, and it seems odd to me that he hasn't. Someone who started for this team as many seasons as he has, but it just seems like he hasn't found his groove. Even though he's got tons of weapons around him, it just it doesn't seem like, I don't know if it's the offensive line, if it's the protection, or if it's the play calling, but it just seems like he has not gotten in, into any type of uh, rhythm. The 49ers have the Rams... Uh, this week and then they get a bye but you know you would hope that they've kind of got you know you know won some more games got a little fat but you know you you lose the games that you're supposed to win and now you're you know now you're fighting to get back to 500 and you got a division game and then you've put this on tape uh this week and i i I, the rams are on a bye this week i'm sure the coaches watching this game i mean they're going to have some schemes they're going to see some things you know, they're going to see some things in that wide nine where they can run the ball a little more. They're going to see some things in the passing game that they can do. So that's what you got to deal with. You got to you got to go figure out, figure out. I mean, it's tough to watch this, but, you know, it's it's an opportunity to take a look at, you know, what your weaknesses are. I don't know if Eric Armstead's coming back, but you got to figure out, like you said, that middle of that defense. And, you know, Fred Warner, who's a fantastic linebacker, just felt like he was chasing ghosts yesterday. Um, you got some more injuries you got to deal with uh, in the linebacker linebackers room. Um, so you got to figure it out. I mean, it's it's the Rams. You have a chance to you know hopefully you know, go on the road. You got to play on turf. Uh, we know how the Niners do on turf, but you you play against the Rams, a team that you've you've played really well against. But you got to fix that defense somehow because this this team goes by the defense. If a defense can't get off the football field and you and you can't get more takeaways, uh, help your offense out. It it becomes a long day. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, I think the good news for the defense is that they have a lot of players who have put out a lot of tape that's that's much better than what they put out uh, against Kansas City. So, I mean, you have to hope if you're the 49ers or if you follow the 49ers that the defense will make that performance an anomaly, right? Uh, otherwise, you're 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 screwed uh, if you're the 49ers, If the, if that is the the norm and not the anomaly. Speaking of the offensive side of the ball, you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo's rhythm. I you know I have I have my thoughts about that, and I think a lot of it uh, circles back to some to me boomer bust play calling from Kyle Shanahan. And and let me explain because I think that the Chiefs really exposed this. Steve Spagnolo, their defensive coordinator, we knew that he was going to be blitzing in this game. He didn't bring the blitzes right away, but he waited to pounce when he smelt some blood in the water, and, and he started blitzing when the 49ers started committing penalties and moving behind the chains, and that's when he started unleashing these cover zero blitzes that I think this is more than one week now that the 49ers haven't been fully prepared for these aggressive cover zero blitzes. And one of them came on the Garoppolo interception. And on that play, he, the the best thing that Garoppolo could have done was, in my opinion, take a sack. He tried to heave one into the back of the end zone of George Kittle, but he was already getting crushed and uh, it turned into interception. And I look at that as a bad situation that Garoppolo poured some gasoline on. He made it worse by not just taking the sack and, um, you know, living the fight. Well, I guess they wouldn't have fought another down. It would have been a field goal. But it, I mean, to me, that highlights the, the, the bigger issue here is that Kyle Shanahan did not properly scheme the uh, uh, a good check down option into that play for cover zero. Jeff Wilson was that option, but he was like the third or fourth read on the right side of the the progression. And there's no way that Garoppolo would have had time to scan the field and go to Wilson in that situation. And this brings up a larger issue for me, Matt. This goes back, you know, we could look at the Carolina game. They ran a bunch of cover zeros against the 49ers. Nobody was really criticizing Shanahan after that game because Garoppolo bailed them out with some sensational throws downfield. But to me, you know, like that completion to Tevin Coleman against Carolina, that's not a high percentage conversion play against cover zero. I mean, that took a lot to to work, right? I mean, great throw, great catch, all this. But can you reasonably expect the offense to – convert those types of opportunities if that is your cover zero outlet and I don't think you can I, I don't think that's gonna I don't think that's a situation that's gonna sustainably be able to repeat itself and along those lines I looked up you know the 49ers rate of running back screen passes since they got burned by one yesterday with Jarek McKinnon Andy Reid loves the running back screens to diffuse blitzes like that 49ers rank in the bottom 10 over the past three seasons in running back screen pass rate. And if you look at Christian McCaffrey's skill set, Christian McCaffrey actually with Carolina this year led the NFL over the first six weeks with 16 running back screens designed especially for him. I think that 
Kyle Shanahan absolutely needs to make it a priority to have higher percentage outlet passes on aggressive blitzes. Because some weeks, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to burn these aggressive blitzes with a nice throw down field. You know, his eyes are going to be closed and he'll heave one up to Tevin Coleman. Everybody will make a great play. Everybody will praise them. But some weeks, you know, that boom won't happen. The bust will happen like it did yesterday against Kansas City. And the 49ers just need to stabilize this to find a rhythm. And to stabilize it, you can't be running... Uh, you know, the 10th fewest screen passes to running backs in the league, especially if Christian McCaffrey's on your roster. So maybe this changes with Christian McCaffrey. But to me, I think the 49ers have so many weapons that there is no excuse to not have a screen specialist like Christian McCaffrey schematically inserted into every single play to be able to give the 49ers an easier outlet because this offense should not be riding the roller coaster that it's currently riding. Well, there was a lot of things wrong with that play. I mean, uh, I, I don't see why there there couldn't be a, a hot route outlet. I don't I don't see why uh, you don't look uh, immediately for Wilson. That that's the quick pass. I mean, nobody covered him. Uh, he's the king of the the option route. So um, you know, there there there's little question that he's going to get open. But uh, in that case, nobody bothered to cover him. It would have been a, a very quick and easy touchdown. Would have negated that blitz. Um, I know that wasn't his first read, but boy, um, it, it seems like it, it, it should have been an option. The, the other part was that we all assumed that that ball was going to Ray Ray McLeod. He was the nearest receiver and that uh, Garoppolo had overthrown a, a 5-9 receiver. Really, the ball was going to, to George Kittle. But uh, you can excuse the confusion because they had two receivers in the same vicinity, which meant that there were three Chiefs in the same vicinity. Uh, just a, kind of a, a crowded play, poorly designed play, um, and, and credit again. I mean, uh, th- this is the, the Chiefs defensive coaches this time, but uh, they obviously had the better play call, the better scheme in that situation. It was, it was huge. I mean, the, the 49ers could have gone up by six, could have gone up by, uh, by seven, if they had gone for two, instead uh, they got no points and uh, were very lucky that uh, the uh, the Chiefs blew a, a field goal at the end of the half, or else uh, they would have uh, had a, a, a bigger lead than they had. But anyway, yeah, that's that was the worst offensive play of the game for sure. Um, frankly, I, I thought Garoppolo played pretty well the rest of the game. Uh, I thought his uh, his TD pass on, on the other end to uh, Ray Ray McLeod was a, a really nice throw in a kind of a, a, a desperate situation, a, a place where only McLeod could have made that, that catch. And I thought his uh, touchdown to Kittle was a good one too. Again, nice and high against a smaller opponent, exactly where the ball needs to be. Uh, as Dennis said, it's just that once again, uh, strange decision in a critical moment that uh, always seems to... Uh, haunt Garoppolo and always seems to kind of mar an otherwise good game. The pass to Ray Ray, did it seem like Jimmy was trying to throw it out the end zone or he was trying to throw it away and it was just a good so. effort? You don't I think, think so? He was just getting, I think he was just getting dragged. I think he was getting like dragged down. I thought he, so he was it, just it, trying I, to muscle I, it out there. That, that's what I thought. Yeah, I thought he, it looked It looked like he was trying yeah, to just get so it rid but it, yeah. It's a great play, and you know the other the interception in the end zone. It, it, you said it. It was it was something was wrong because you had two receivers, but I, I don't think 
you know, Ray Ray, I don't think he thought the ball was coming. Because I don't think he even jumped. He didn't even attempt to get the ball. So it, it just, no. it was just bad. It was just, and it, after that muff punt, it was like, okay, here we go. We're, you know, mistakes are going to help win this football game. But instead, it went the other way. Uh, and then, you know, they, they, they missed the field goal, but then they come out second half and they get that great return. And then there's, you know, there's six points on the board. So, you know, again, it just, it, it just really looked like, you know, I, I really hate to say it, but they were out coached and these guys just didn't, you know, they were in bad positions or some bad play calling. Um, you know, we talk about Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. I don't, I mean, sometimes you see the creativity and, and sometimes you just kind of scratch your head. And I think yesterday was one of those days uh, other than that first quarter. But, um, you know, it's 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 football and, and they have to put it. But I mean, can you put it behind you? I don't know. I, I can still remember, you know, my worst loss. I mean, I we won a lot of football games in my 49er career, but the only loss that really sticks out is we lost to Philadelphia something like 55 to 17 or something like that in candlestick. 40 and to 8, it, 94, for, right? Yeah, something like yeah. it was it was it was it was embarrassing. And I still remember all all the wins, the Super Bowls, NFC Championship games. I remember that that loss. And I remember after that loss we went and we I think we won the next 10 games or something like that. But but you remember, though, I mean, those hurt. Those hurt. And, you know, you can use it to build on. But you will always remember, you know, when you when when your butt's handed to you. And and that's what and you got to put it behind you because there's still you know, a lot of football to play. But these kind of losses, I mean, you you really got to check your character and you got to check your leadership. And, uh, you know, I know last week, or a couple weeks ago, George Kittle was talking about a standard of play. Um, this is a time when your leaders kind of have to stand up and say, here's the deal. I mean, we were, you know, on defense, we were dominating, you know, those first four weeks, five weeks of the football season. We got to get back there. Offense, we got to figure out what's going on. We got, we got this new guy here who's going to, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to, he's going to make this offense more explosive. I mean, we've been hearing that forever. Trey Lance is going to make this offense more. It's time to do it. I mean, you can see the skill set, the uh, skill set, with McCaffrey, but you, know, you got to put it together. Quarterbacks got to play better. Uh, George Kittle's got to play. I mean, all these guys, offensive line, everyone's got to play better. So now is a ch- when you kind of check yourself and you got to be accountable. And I just hope there's someone. I, I know, I know, you know, these athletes are different now. And when I play, when I play, you got checked. Ronnie Lott checked us. Uh, Michael Carter checked us. Charles Haley checked us. So it's going to be a time where you know you really got to. You know, you really have to kind of evaluate yourself, self-evaluation, and figure out what you got to do to get better. Because, I mean, you can still, I mean, Seattle's, I think they're in first NFC, NFC West now, and they're not a very good football team. So you, and, and you, and on paper, you should be, you know, the best team, at least in your division right now. And you're not, because you've lost games that you should have won. So you got to up your standard, and this is the week to do it. You got a week, you got a division game, then you got to buy, get some folks back, and finish off strong. But uh, someone's got to, someone's got to stand up, and be accountable in that locker room. Well, that blah loss that you're talking about, Dennis, to Philadelphia. That's when George Seifer yanked Steve Young out of the game, and Steve Young went on his tirade, yelling at George on the sideline. Were, yeah. were you on the sideline when that was happening? Did you catch wind of? Well, I was, Steve I was probably on the field, but it's you know, I, I remember. 
He I probably mean, still heard a, Steve from the field. He was going crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was it was that was a tough game, man. I mean, it was and it was in Candlestick. I mean, that's like I'm saying all all the wins I was a part of. That is the one thing in my career that I really remember was that lost. I mean, it was in front. Of- I got it right here. It's uh, forty to eight Eagles over the 49ers. You guys were playing. Uh, yep. yep. Randall Cunningham. He had uh, he was twenty of twenty nine for two forty six. Yep. Three TDs, zero INTs. Uh, yeah, uh, David's right. Uh, Elvis Gerback uh, came in for, for Steve Young in that game. Steve was only 11 of 23 for 99 yards, two interceptions. So uh, maybe a lesson to everybody that even some, some great teams and some great Hall of Fame players um, stumble every now and then. I'm, I'm looking at the yeah. defensive stats here, Dennis. Dennis Brown... Two tackles in this game, so uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty but, good. You know, and 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 that was that was early in the season. I think it was like the fourth or the fifth game. Yeah, yeah, yeah we was five. You know, five, and we and got spanked. Yeah, and we got spanked, but we came together. I don't know. You probably have it there, but I'm. Th- I think we won the next. 10 games or something. Yeah, like you, you won all the... You didn't lose again in a meaningful game that year. You lost, I believe it was Seattle, week 17. You lost a game where you're resting your starters. But you went undefeated after that game and yeah. you won the Super Bowl. Put it this way. you, you Two weeks later, you beat the Falcons yeah. 42 to 3. The next week was the Lions, right? <laughs> didn't they win on the road? Yeah. That was a squeaker, though. That, well, that, that was And that was a game 21. they had to come back in. I believe Steve Young was playing hurt. I mean, typically, the, the win to get back on track is, is sometimes... This game that you have to really gut out, and then you yeah. hit the, then you hit the smoother wins. So maybe the 49ers had to gut one out against the Rams this week, which is their get well team. Um, you know, one more note though about that game against the Eagles is that George Seifert literally pulled Steve Young in the middle of a possession, and. He had Steve, like the benching happened with him walking alone out of the huddle back to the sideline. And that's what set Steve off. He thought that George Seifert was trying to embarrass him because it's like, well, why don't you pull Jerry Rice out? Why don't you pull the other guys out if you're just trying to – because George later said, I just didn't want Steve to get hurt. But he yanked him in a way that made it seem like that was more than that. And that caused Steve Young to just go off on George Seifert on the sideline. And if you talk to anybody on that team, Dennis included, obviously, they'll say that that's like the moment that everybody bought into Steve, right? Uh, that, you know, you guys are still trying to move, you know, turn the page from Joe Montana, but, you know, you'd lost a couple NFC championship games to the Cowboys, but Steve Young somehow, him going on a tirade against the head coach and George Seifert didn't respond because he was so stoic and everything, but Steve Young going on a tirade against the head coach somehow brought everybody together and they started fighting for the same cause. And maybe the 49ers yeah. need a little bit of that kind of fire right now to all be in lockstep, right, moving forward because they have, you know, right now they're playing as less than the sum of their parts. Yeah, and and, and to tell you, I mean, not to tell you too much about what happened after that football game, but there was in the locker room a team meeting and it was led by Steve and some things were said. And um, by him and by other leaders at that time. And, and you're right. That was when it, the page was turned. And it was like, listen, we're here for a reason. And we're here to win football games. No matter who's in there, you know, we have to hold each other accountable. And Steve said some things. 
you know, he's you know, he's he's a good dude. He's a Mormon, doesn't do much cussing, but he said some things that meant a lot. And he and he showed to us that he was going to be our leader and he was going to lead us. So, I mean, that's what I say. I mean, it, 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 it tests your character. And, you know, somebody has to stand up in that locker room because every year, you know, we're, we're at this point where we're like, what's going to happen next? You don't know what teams are going to show up. After that game, we knew which team was going to show up every single week on Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night. And it was going to be the best 49er team. It was going to be a 49er way. So that that's what this team needs right now. And it's, it's not, I mean, I, I get frustrated when I see one week a team and the next week another football team. Every week, like I said, it's not rocket science, guys. It's football. Football is easy. You just can't make mistakes, and you have to be very, very physical. I mean, that's that's all football is, and you have to be precise, and you have to be, and you and you have to just go on the field and do it. And I and that, like I said, that game I remember because it was it was the worst loss in in my NFL career. But after that, we came together and we had one common cause, and we win a Super Bowl. Well. Uh... You know, one other parallel there, Kyle Shanahan was at that game. He was sitting in the very upper deck at Candlestick that day. It was a hot day at Candlestick. I've talked to him about this uh, before, and it's funny because I guess normally as the ball boy, you know, offensive coordinator's son, he got pretty good tickets, but for some reason they ran out of good tickets for Kyle Shanahan that day, so he got stuck all the way up in the nosebleeds. And uh, the people he was sitting next to didn't realize that the offensive coordinator was his dad. And he said that he just had to sit there listening to people talking crap about Mike uh, for the whole game because it was so bad. As Matt just said, what, 11 of 23 for 99 yards. Uh, So uh, it it happened to the best of those teams. But yesterday in the locker room, you know, you talk about galvanizing the team, Dennis. One thing that now retroactively stands out to me is what Spencer Burford told me. And he went out of his way. He said, hey, this is his quote. He said, "A lot of guys felt this loss for sure." That's that. That's what he said. He, I mean, he he made it be known that uh, this loss really, really pissed a lot of 49ers off. And I think uh, Kyle Yuschek was. I mean, he was. He said he was in a bad mood to a couple reporters. Didn't want to speak. Like, I mean, it was. Uh, guys felt the loss in 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 the locker room. Whether or not they turn it around, what, what I don't know if there was some kind of crazy speech or anything, but. Whether or not they turn this around into a sharper performance, kind of a galvanizing moment remains to be seen. That being said, Matt, the Rams have been the 49ers get well medicine every single time that they played them in the regular season for a long time now. And let me just put this out there. The Rams are a lot worse on both lines of scrimmage than the Kansas City Chiefs. They are even worse on the offensive line than they were when the 49ers racked up eight sacks and 35 pressures against them earlier this month. They've lost their starting left tackle, Joe Noteboom. And that defensive line hasn't gotten any better either. It's Aaron Donald and a lot of guys who, you know, the 49ers were able to handle last time that they played. So um, the, the, the challenge level actually goes down, which the 49ers I think need right now because the chiefs, the, the, the chiefs really overwhelmed them in so many phases this next week. Um, and, it's funny to say that the 49ers need a game against the defending Super Bowl champions right now, but I think that's an accurate statement. 
Yeah, and to sort of blend uh, the, the the two uh, themes that we're talking about, um, you know, Dennis's uh, story about the fiery after game speech and all the emotion there. Uh, the guy that that ends up having the the best games against the Rams seems to be Debo Samuel, uh, who is sort of a non-factor in this game. And uh, I'm sure he's uh, he's upset about that. He was uh, you were in the locker room before me, uh, David. But it seemed like a, a ghost town in there by the time that I got in. Uh, they cl- cleared out of that very quickly. But um, if, if you're talking about somebody who um, you know can can kind of summon anger and emotion and uh, channel that onto the field, it's Debo Samuel. I don't know uh, what kind of locker room presence he has. He seems to be sort of always uh, stewing kind of inwardly uh, to himself. I don't know if he ever gets up in front of the team and and talks about it. But boy, um, if if they could, if the rest of the squad can kind of go full Debo for this game, um, I think it could be one of those those, uh, season altering types of moments. Um, and there are other guys. I mean, Fred Warner is always trying to do the right thing, say the right thing. He's always trying to fire them up. George Kittle's the same way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, and, and we talked about this a lot last year when they were struggling to a, a three and five start. Who's the locker room leader? Who's going to be the guy that kicks ass in the locker room? Um, and uh, th- that, that theme sort of fell by the wayside because they did get on track. Uh, but it, it seemed like it was more kind of schematic and this, that, and the other. Uh, you just don't hear about those types of things that uh, that that Dennis described. Uh, but I, I think the personalities are there to do it. Um, it just has to get done in Los Angeles. And that's too bad. But, you know, it, like you said, last year, you know, we, we were having a conversation and, and, you know, and they got their stuff together. And I don't know if it was, you know, I don't know how it happened you're you know if if it's coaching or if it's you know just lead by example but you know they end up in the nfc championship game so let's hope that happens out again and and this is a get right game um it has to be it's your it's your division game but it is a team that you kind of own i mean it's kind of weird to say that but you do kind of own the rams you play well against the rams um and and it seems like you know things things always kind of work out for you against the rams so let's hope it continues uh, you go on the road, you play on Astro tur- Turf, uh, you know, hope more bodies don't drop. And then you still got Christian McCaffrey, who who I think is going to add to this offense a little bit once he gets, you know, more, you know, more plays under his belt. Um, you know, he's a running back. He's been a running back his entire career. He understands the position. I think it's just different lingo from, you know, the Panthers run a similar scheme. I think it's just different lingo once he gets that down. He learns the, the pass pro. I think he's going to be fine. He's got to help this offense. He just gives Jimmy Garoppolo uh, more weapons. So, you know, it, I, this is a game to do it. This is a game you have to do it because you can't go into the bye, uh, we know, with three losses under your belt. You just, it, it's just not, it just won't work out well. So, you know, let's go move on to, on to the Rams, as Belichick would say. Yeah, and hey, if you win this one, you're four and four heading into the bye, and essentially halfway point of the season, right? With nine to go, uh, you're in a really good position in the NFC West. You're still undefeated against your division. Uh, it's 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 all good if you win this next one against the Rams, which is why it's so important to not get sucked into the rabbit hole of thinking that the season's over after every single loss. But I mean, there obviously were some alarming fracture points exposed by the Chiefs, and those are the ones. That 
the 49ers have to fix, and they fixed them last year on their way up from three and five, and uh, it, it, they started fixing them against the Rams. So we'll see if uh, this this Rams game again can be some of the medicine that the 49ers need. And I think that Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he he really might be a perfect fit based on what I saw, some of the juice that he still has. But the fact that he's such a master in the screen game, I think that. Uh, you know, not just when the 49ers are taking blitzes, but Mike McGlinchey had a really bad game in pass protection. They moved Chris Jones out to defensive end, which to me was embarrassing for the 49ers and for McGlinchey, that they move a tackle out there just to pick on McGlinchey and pick on him. He did. Uh, if, if you know, suspect pass protection from at least one of the tackle spots, and I know Trent Williams also gave up the safety um, to, 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 to Frank Clark. But if suspect pass protection from the outside is just going to be a thing the 49ers have to live with, um, my point about the outlet man earlier in this show is going to be so important for this team. And Christian McCaffrey is maybe the best outlet man in football. And they just picked him up. And he didn't know the whole playbook yet this week. Next week, he will. So um, maybe that's the medicine the 49ers offense needs to become more consistent, to be able to, to beat some of this pressure that seems to detonate the drives. And then you just have to trust that the defense is not who it showed it was <laughs> against the Chiefs, that that, that that was just an anomaly. And we'll see if that's the case moving forward. But anyway, guys, we hit our time limit. So that was a rough one for the 49ers. They will uh, live to fight another day, though, with a decent injury situation, it appears, coming out of uh, this Chiefs game. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on Here's the Catch.